for this this afternoon. We will be considering the sufferings of Christ. What do you believe when you say he suffered? Because we say that as Christians. This is a question from a catechism, and this catechism answers it this way, that he, all the time of his life, which he led on earth, but especially at the end of it, sustained the wrath of God, both in body and soul, against the sin of mankind, that he might, by his passion, as the only propitiatory propitiatory sacrifice, deliver our body and soul from everlasting damnation and purchase for us the favor of God, righteousness, and eternal life. What do you believe when you say he suffered? Now, this question and answer begins a section in the, um, in the catechism that discusses the sufferings or the passion of our Lord. You've heard that word before. Sometimes we'll use that. Our Lord's passion, our Lord's suffering. Though we, we normally think of his sufferings or passion as occurring on the cross. At least that's how I was kind of raised in Christianity. That his sufferings were exclusive, exclusively endured on the cross and the cross alone. We normally think that way. Uh, his sufferings actually extend to his entire lifetime during which he experienced the common infirmities of human nature, yet without sin, like our confession says. So our, our Lord's entire life, or his entire life while on the earth, is sometimes called the state of humiliation. What I'm saying is that we need to extend the sufferings from his death all the way back, because he, he suffered He had things happen to him, done to him, said about him that he shouldn't have had because he was living in a sin-cursed world. This, This state of humiliation refers to the period between the conception of our Lord in the womb of Mary all the way to his death and burial. Though more strictly, our Lord's passion refers to his final trials culminating in his crucifixion sufferings of our Lord, or the passion. The word passion means to undergo change because something happens from the outside that causes the loss or the lack of something. For example, our Lord suffered the common infirmities of human nature after the fall into sin, such as physical pain inflicted on him by others. Should he have had physical pain inflicted upon him by others? The answer is no. So he was suffering an outsider's execution of creaturely power toward him that he shouldn't have experienced. He did that with words as well. People hurled verbal darts at our Lord and blasphemed him. He didn't deserve or didn't earn that, but he got it. So he suffered in that sense as well, not only physically, but also not only according to his body, but according to his 
soul, not only on the cross, but is through for his entire lifetime, we could call it our Lord's passion. Now, these things happened to him because he lived in a sin-cursed world among sin-cursed men and women. Who has walked the face of this earth who deserved love and respect like him? None. Was he loved and respected by all? No. Should he have been loved and respected by all? Yes. He suffered. Even in that, he had things done to and against him that he shouldn't have had in light of his incarnation and the union of the two natures in the one person, the Son of God. So it was into a fallen world that our Lord was born and lived and experienced all that he did. He was mocked, he was disrespected, and he endured it all without sinning. The mockery and disrespect from others that he endured, he did for us. Have you ever been mocked? Yeah. Have you ever been called names and hurled back, you know, curse words or names that were calculated to try to hurt the person? Yes, our Lord was reviled and didn't revile back. Uh, and he had to do that in one sense because we we used to revile, right? We used to get sinfully angry on the playground or out in the backyard of my parents' house or whatever. And I remember hitting my brothers. They laugh because the older ones. I could make my younger bro- brother cry, by the way. And I did many times out of sinful anger, hitting them as hard as I could in the back or in the arm. And, of course, they would laugh. But inside was... Murder, and I did that because they they called me a name or whatever. So I revile back at them. That's a violation of the law of God. Our Lord deserved love and respect like none other. He didn't get it, but he didn't sock people in the arm and hit his brothers in the back. He never sinned. It was a form of suffering there. It was into this world that he came. He got... Uh, He endured everything he endured for us. He actually got what we deserve. He suffered many wrongs against him, both in body and soul, though he was without sin, or as the writer of Hebrews says, Paul. He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Okay, so there it's clear. He was an obedient son, the entirety of the state of humiliation, and during the entirety of the state of humiliation, he was obeying through the uh, uh, from uh, learning obedience. Excuse me, from the things which he suffered during the entirety of this state of humiliation. But this catechism goes on to tell us there was a culminating aspect to his sufferings or his passion, and that was when he made himself the only propitiatory sacrifice. There's a big word. Propitiatory, propitiation. Um, 
He was the only, he made himself the only propitiatory sacrifice which delivers us body and soul from everlasting damnation. Now, what is propitiation? What's a propitiatory sacrifice? It refers to his death on the cross when he offering himself for the purpose, for this purpose, endured and exhausted the wrath of God against us and for us so that he stands in our place and instead of the wrath of God terminating upon us, it terminates upon him. So he propitiates, he turns the wrath of God from us toward himself. He takes he takes the juice for us or he gets juiced instead of us. He stands in our place and satisfies the justice of God for us. He propitiates the wrath of God, divine justice, in historical execution by taking it for us and for our salvation. That's why Paul can say there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So to propitiate means to appease or satisfy. And in this case, and in the case of our Lord's death, to appease or satisfy the justice of God by taking the wrath of God for the elect of God. That's what he did for you. Took the wrath of God. That's the culmination of his sufferings. Instead of God's wrath against us finding as its bullseye our souls and bodies, it finds as its target, as its terminus, as its bullseye, our Lord on the cross, and it is there we could say, extinguished, exhausted. Um, And this is why we sing, for instance, tell me, ye who hear him groaning, was there ever grief like his? Friends, through fear, his cause disowning. That's a form of suffering right there. He did not deserve his friends, through fear, disowning his cause. But it happened. Foes insulting his distress. Foes, they were mocking at him. He saved others. He saved himself. Um, Foes insulting his distress. That was a form of suffering as well. When they're mocking him, he suffered under their mockeries, but he didn't seek his own personal vengeance against them like we often do. Many hands were raised to wound him. Preacherly hands is what the hymn writer is talking about. Many hands were raised to wound him. None would interpose to save. This is probably the greatest line here and the mysterious one. But the deepest stroke that pierced him, and this is why we say the culmination of his passion is on the cross itself. The deepest stroke that pierced him was the stroke that justice, capital J, that justice gave. I think these are sober, sobering, and but also glorious and precious words. They capture what the catechism says. He suffered in life and he suffered In death, and we can even say he suffered unto death. He deserved other than he received in order that we might receive 
other than we deserve. Let me say that again. He deserved other than he received in order that we might receive other than we deserve. Here is the great and mysterious exchange. The Son of God incarnate suffers what he does not deserve in order that believers in Christ, sinners, in order that believers in Christ do not suffer what they do deserve. This, I think, is grounds for wonder, for amazement, I think for worship, for praise, and for service. The Son of God undergoes that which we deserve so that we won't get what we deserve and we get what he earns, which we could never earn as well. We don't get condemnation, we don't get justice, we don't get wrath, but we also get righteousness and holiness and then eternal life and glory. It's, uh, it's almost like the gospel's too good to be true. You mean, I don't have to do stuff to get that, except I just got to say, yeah, I'm a sinner, and he's the only savior uh, that God has revealed to us, and I believe. It's like, well... What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So it's a marvelous exchange. It's not something we can pay God back for, since we can't pay him back, you know, like the psalm writer, hymn writer says, okay, but I can give, my, give, give myself up for him. I can just say, you know what, Lord? 24-7, every day of the week, I'm yours. Do you say that? We, we ought to say that. And then when we don't live in accordance with our vows, we ask for forgiveness and help and strength. And the supper helps remind us that our sins are forgiven, that our Lord assumed our nature to save us, that he shed his blood, forgiveness of sin, cleansing from our unrighteousness. The supper reminds us of all that. It's not a, an ancient reminder. It's not just calling us to think back way then, back way then, but we are to think about the, the fresh benefits that Christ gives us through his means and pray that God would, would strengthen our souls uh, by virtue of taking the supper, being blessed from heaven, because um, all of us uh, are weak and feeble and in need of grace all the time. And may the Lord bless to that end as we take. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, we ask for your blessings, not only on the consideration of the sufferings of Christ for us and for our salvation, but also upon the, the sacrament ordained by Christ, uh, the supper of the Lord, the Lord's table, the Eucharist, um, the communion, the various names that Christians use to identify this, that which was ordained by our Lord in the night in which he was betrayed. betrayed. We ask your blessings upon it, and receive our singing as praises to you for your, your goodness toward us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.